and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen. Folks, welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. Well, I'll tell you what, it is an interesting week. We've got red blood rivers. We've got earthquakes at Yellowstone. We've got uh, a coming uh, total uh, lunar, uh, or excuse me, solar eclipse here in the United States on the brink of war uh, with North Korea, and who knows what else is going on. Folks, this is the time that God has been calling us to decide, you know what? At this moment forward, I am going to get serious about my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, folks, you can put it off till tomorrow, but tomorrow might be just a little too late. There are so many signs and wonders and things going on there. And you know what? There are so many people that are sitting around in their churches and in, in their organizations that are calling themselves churches, and they're going to these how-to conferences of, well, how, how can we be more relevant? How can we you know, be, be, do more art projects to invite our community? And how can we have you know, more um, tea and coffee and, 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 and good food and all that stuff so we can bring everybody in and entertain in our services while the world is on the brink of collapse we are still worried about how being relevant i'll tell you what i'll tell you how you can be totally relevant in this moment tell somebody that jesus is coming again and he can save their life but they better get ready because tomorrow might be too late this is the day of salvation it is time to get serious about our walk with god let's pray father Tonight we need you because these are serious times. Lord, we ask that you will come in a powerful way on this program tonight, that you will move mightily among your people, that you will do a work, Lord God, that we, we couldn't even have expected, Lord. But when you show up tonight, Lord, I pray that you would, you would just touch us to understand that we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry about what's going on in this world because, God, you've got it under control. It is in the palm of your hands. And Lord, you are in the business of deliverance. And no matter how bad someone is, no matter what they were doing just before this show, no matter how defeated they have felt, if they are willing to humble themselves and to come to you and to confess their iniquity, that they have an advocate, an intercessor, who will plead their case to the Father and cover them with his blood so that their sins would be remembered no more. And his name is Yeshua, Jesus, and he is on the throne. Father, that's the one we are calling out to tonight. And Lord, we ask this all in the name above all names, Yeshua, Jesus. Amen. 
Well, folks, I'm just glad you're here with me. We have an exciting uh, episode. We have Brother Benjamin on, back by popular demand, um, because it feels like every time we have him on, he just barely gets into something, and, and it's over with, and, and we need, feel like we need to continue. Well, since the last time he's come on, things have gotten serious. And I'll tell you, folks, if you didn't tune in last week, to the episode of Warning to the Church, I encourage you to go out and listen to that, and also listen to the week before that message uh, is about specifically about the signs in heavens and what's going on from Brother Benjamin two weeks back, and then last week, God has a strict warning for the church. It's a warning for each one of us. That if we only just simply profess and we just simply hear and we just listen and we do nothing about it, then we have fooled ourselves into believing that we are walking right with God. God has plans for his people to be effective witnesses for him in his last days, not potatoes, not pew warmers, not someone who just complains about what everybody else is doing. I remember you know, I used to get so frustrated at church when people would come up and say, you know, I wish they, people should do this or we need to do that or, or we ought to go do this. Now, you know what I would say? Here's what I'll say. You know, why don't you go do something and invite somebody to come with you? Quit waiting on somebody else to save your family. Quit waiting on someone else to reach your neighbor. Why don't you be the one to step out in faith and to reach them before it's too late and you regret that you didn't have the courage to stand up and to say just one simple little sentence. Jesus loves you, and he wants to save your life. You know, in an hour of so much turmoil, so much chaos, so much unrest, there is nothing more comforting than knowing that you are under the wings of the Almighty Savior. And I'll tell you what, it's in his wings, in the hem of his garment, that that woman that had the issue of blood, she didn't just reach out and touch the hem of the Savior's garment because she thought that would be a good thing. She knew the promise from the Scripture that if he was who he said he was, that there would be healing in his wings, in the hem of his garment. And when she reached out and she touched it, believing she was healed, and the Savior knew it when he turned around and said, who touched me? Because the touch of faith affects the very heart of God. And I'll tell you, folks, I'm wondering, can you step out tonight and be willing to touch the Savior's garments? Well, Brother Benjamin has a word for us tonight, and it comes from the book of Joel, and I'm going to read it here for you from the book of Joel. And it's in chapter 3 and starting in verse 9, and I'm going to read it from the King James, and this is what it says. Proclaim me this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near, let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, let the weak say, I am strong, assemble yourselves and come all ye heathen and gather yourselves together, round about thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord, let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is right. 
Come get your down, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord shall not roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the God we serve. There comes a time when we need to put away the foolish things of this earth. It is war. The interesting thing about the book of Joel, and I know Brother Benjamin is going to take this to another level, but I want to mention this before Benjamin comes on tonight. Because the interesting thing about the book of Joel is it was not only written for the day that Joel lived, but it was written for the day that we live. And Joel, looking down through the spirit of the living God, saw the hour that we live in, and he gave specific instructions to the church. And in Joel chapter 2, he expands on this, and he tells them, listen, when you see the day of the Lord come, when you know these things are coming, it's time to assemble yourselves together and sanctify a fast. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the the altar let them say spare thy people O lord and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them wherefore should they say among the people where is their god See, Joel knew that when we get to this time, when we get to the time of the end, that we are not to sit here and just dilly-dally and play around. This is the time when we come together and we weep between the altar and the porch. Folks, I've been in churches. I've been in church conferences. I've seen these things happen where they're going to how-to conferences to find out how to be more relevant. And God said, when you see this time coming, it's time to get on your face and repent and get right with God. You can read a million books. You can study a million how-to lessons. You can watch a zillion videos and will never have the effect of what happens when a believer gets on their knees and cries out to God. Well, folks, Brother Benjamin is getting ready to come on, and if you'll stand by for one second, I'm going to bring him on the air here. Benjamin, thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Remnant Call, brother. Glad to have you back. It is amazing how just a couple of weeks the world has completely changed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The scripture says something about then sudden destruction will come upon them. And uh, indeed, sudden destruction is coming. And and now it's in the news. You know, they're actually talking about a nuclear war, Frank. Yes. Amazing, isn't it? It is. Praise God, though. The Lord is still on the throne, and I'm telling you, I, blessed are the, the nation, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. 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 Lord, be with us in this time. Be with us oh, in this yeah. time. And Hey, Frank, thanks for reading that scripture verse. Um, I was... I was sitting at my desk yesterday, and, you know, I had been reading the news about the gathering storm and 
and the nations moving their militaries, they're mobilizing militaries all over the world right now. And and I prayed, I said, Lord, you know, give me a word for this hour. And I opened the Bible, I opened the scriptures to Joel chapter 3, and I looked down and, and I read that verse. Proclaim this, prepare for war. And that is indeed what's coming. Whether we see the war begin momentarily, uh, as in you know, the coming weeks in Korea, highly likely. Perhaps it gets delayed a, a slight bit. But uh, I think it's very clear that the war is coming. Uh, the Russians right now, and if I could just give you a 60-second news summary, I've got some intel that came my way last night that I want to just share briefly. Then we'll get into the scriptures. But Russia is mobilizing uh, their tank armies right now. Uh, you know, if war starts in Korea, Russia would be in a position to annex the Baltic states, and the international news probably wouldn't even cover it. And of course, there's massive war games that are eminent in Russia. Uh, North Korea appears to be purposefully goading our president. And, of course, you know, the c- conflict in Korea has been in a state of ceasefire since the war ended in the 1950s, the actual shooting war ended, and there's been a cold war legally in effect because there was never an armistice or a peace treaty, merely a ceasefire. So the Korean Peninsula has been in a legal state of war for 60-plus um, years. Uh, a preemptive strike by the U.S., which is one of the options being weighed, would open the door to massive retaliation, and ultimately to China and Russia becoming involved in the conflict, claiming the position of the injured party that was merely acting in self-defense, the U.S. being pictured as the aggressor that engaged in the preemptive strike. Just for everybody's edification, Korea is a puppet. You need to keep that clearly in view. The, The kid that has inherited the dictatorship of North Korea His family was put in power by Moscow, by the KGB, by the Kremlin some 60, 70 years ago. Uh, The conflict in Korea is being designed as a trap to entrap the United States. And China and Russia are behind North Korea, and they will always be behind and supporting their satellite power. You know, the fact that they give lip service to U.N. sanctions is just the typical deception of the communist nations. They've done this before. It means nothing. Uh, They don't do any actual enforcement of sanctions. They merely agree with the West. And, you know, how many times can these nations lie to us and do the exact opposite of what they said? And how many times will we keep believing them? It reminds me of the... Charlie Brown kickoff. Do you remember that, Frank, where Lucy was holding the football? Yes. And Charlie Brown was going to kick the ball, right, for the field goal or for the kickoff. And mm-hmm. every time Lucy pulls the ball out, right? Yeah. Yet Charlie Brown keeps showing up to try to kick it yet again. Uh, that's sort of how we react to the communist powers. Uh, a outright shooting war has a high probability of beginning in Korea in the September-October window. You know, if it does, it's being orchestrated as a distraction 
by the communist nations, whose real objective is to break up NATO, isolate the United States in preparation of all-out nuclear war with America, either later this fall or, drum roll please, next year, 2018. Hallelujah. Of course, we've got the great American eclipse in, uh, what, less than two weeks? Oh, actually, we're down to 11 days or something. Um, and then, of course, 30 days or 33 days thereafter, we'll have the sign of the woman in the stars. And uh, praise God, you know, it's finally come, Frank. It's yeah. finally here. It's finally come yeah. among us. But I just want to note one part of that scripture, the text that you read in Joel 3, verses 9 to 16. In Joel 3.11, the text reads, Assemble yourselves, which is what they're doing. They're, they're mobilizing and assembling right now. And come, all you heathen, gather yourselves around, round about. In the Hebrew, it means encircle us. Let all the enemies of the people of God come and encircle the camp of the righteous. And then the scripture says, and there, and at that time, cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. And the word in the Hebrew text for mighty ones is gaborim, and it means the mighty warriors. It's, uh, the word means powerful ones, warriors, champions, excellent, valiant men, strong and giant men, super powerful men. Cause your anointed army to come down. And, and isn't, isn't it amazing the anointed ones are coming down, the mighty ones, the Gabarim. Well, where are they coming from if they're coming down? Well, the scripture tells us that the, the man-child of, of Revelation 12, as soon as he's born, he's caught up unto God and to the throne of God in the heavens. Could the prophecy be literal? Could the 144,000 who receive the anointing without measure, in whom the kingdom of God is born without limitation, in which the yoke of the flesh, the slavery, and the bondage of the knowledge of good and evil is finally crucified once and for all, and the mind and the life of Jesus Christ is now born again in totality in these men, could they literally be translated to the throne of God? and appear before the Lord in the heavens. And now the scripture is telling us, and the Lord is going to cause them to come back down. At the time that the enemies have encircled the camp of the righteous, at the time of the end, when the great war is ready to begin, after the birth of the man-child and the anointed remnant, these warriors of God who are first pictured as caught up to the throne of God, which now the preacher of rapture people... I don't know how they do it, but, you know, they, they and I'm not, I'm not on a vendetta against people who teach or believe in the preacher of rapture. Some of my favorite Christian friends are still on that page. But the pre-tribber, they teach that the birth of the man-child is the rapture. <laughs> and, you know, being caught up to heaven, right? The Israel giving birth to the church and the church in its fullness getting caught up to heaven and then Israel having to flee into the wilderness. But, but here we see that the mighty ones who were caught up into heaven are now going to be called forth to come back down. 
You know, no seven-year wedding feast for these guys. You know, and in Isaiah 13, it says they come from the far countries. They come from the end of heaven. Oh, they come down from heaven. How is it possible? Is it possible that God could take a man who's been born again totally in the image of Jesus Christ, who's been through the process of the, the purging fires like unto the life of Job, who has literally been crushed, whose, whose life has been crushed into dust by the persecutions and by the fires of, of this fallen age to the point where they are literally ready to just be poured out. Could God then pour into these broken vessels an anointing without measure? Could the presence of Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is God himself, could the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of God, manifest in them in the fullness of the presence of God? Could the God that's in you become greater than the God that's in this world? And could we see that power manifested in the earth? Amen. We, not only can we, we will if we stick around long enough. Amen. That is clearly not the rapture of the church. These mighty ones, after their translation into the throne room, are coming back down in the very presence of God with the rod of his authority. Hallelujah. Brother, we've got so much to talk about. I'm sure we'll, we'll only scratch the surface because this is like a one-hour program, right, Frank? Yeah, we can go a little over tonight. I scheduled it out purposely. so we got. I'm sorry, what? I said we can go a little over tonight. I scheduled it out a little longer. Um, so I just feel bad more. going over. I'm one of those time-sensitive people. I love to show up on time. You know, for me, everything needs to happen on the appointed time. And if I'm late or over, it just doesn't make sense. But but I'll take that into consideration. Praise God, brother. The mighty ones are about to come down. And you know, I want to talk again, look a little further at the picture of Revelation 12, in which the woman pictured it which represents, of course, the house of Israel, standing on the moon, that's Israel, the 12 stars, the crown of Israel, of course, is the, the crown of the Lion of Judah. And the only reason Israel is anything at all, the only reason Israel matters is because of the king of Israel. Other than that, Israel is no different than any other small nomadic group of, of tribal herdsmen from the Middle East, uh, two, three thousand years ago. I mean, what relevance would that be in the modern world? But because of the king of Israel, the nation of Israel, and the people of Israel, they matter, and, and hallelujah, you know, because the Lord is our God, we matter too, and we're part of the commonwealth of Israel. If we're born again, even if you're a Gentile, you got grafted in to the true vine, which is Yeshua, and for those of you guys that maybe haven't had this shared with you before, Jesus is Jewish. Yes, he is. And if you got grafted into him, guess what's flowing in your veins? Guess what that new blood is, that new life that you've received? You've been grafted into the 12 tribes. You've been grafted into the kingdom of Israel. And you're every much a part of the spiritual Israel as any Jew in the flesh who also has been born again. There's no difference in Christ Jesus between Jew or Gentile. We've all been born again by the same spirit through the power of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And now we're going to receive the anointing comes forth out of heaven. Brother, I just want to thank the Lord for how faithful he has been 
How faithful. So, Jesus, thank you. Amen. We thank you, Lord. Lord. We bless you, and we thank you for all the good that you've done unto the children of men and for all the good you've done unto us, Lord. Even your faithfulness in rebuking us and convicting us and correcting us, and, Lord, you did all things well, and, Lord, you also encourage us. And you hold us in your hand. And so we don't need to be afraid. Hallelujah. I want to deal with this issue of the birth of the baby. And, you know, I, I want to also, Frank, I don't know if we have time, but I want to touch on the, the dream that one of our listeners, a woman named Chloe, had. Um, maybe we'll get into that uh, later in the show. But I, I want to talk about this concept of the birth, the woman in travail. I mean, in, in Revelation 12, let me just look at it real quick. I could jump there. Uh, the woman, being with child, cried out, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. Well, that's what's going on right now in the lives of the remnant. They're with child. They're ready to give birth to a new life. A new life is about to come forth out of the flesh. And I know doctrinally, doctrinally, when you accepted Jesus, when you said your sinner's prayer, you became born again, and you received the new life in your spirit. But this birth is going to be in the flesh in the sense that the new life of the Spirit is going to completely transcend the life of the flesh in the man-child. They're going to be completely changed. Satan will have nothing in them. They will become holy unto the Lord. There will be nothing of the flesh to defile them. And so the ones who are with child, ready to give birth to the kingdom of God without limitation, they are in travail in this time. And they are crying out, and they're in pain to be delivered. Now, not every Christian is in travail. Not every believer is going to give birth to the man-child either. Actually, only 144,000 are going to give birth of the man-child in their lives. I know believers, and, you know, they, they love the Lord. They are born again. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. They've been baptized in the Spirit. And, you know, God bless them. God bless them. They're doing the work of the kingdom as far as they can perceive it. But their life today is very much like pancakes with whipped cream and strawberries and it's there's no travail uh there's no pain they're not crying out they're enjoying their life in the laodicean church and the laodicean church is actually not in pain tonight they're they're rich tonight they're in matter of fact they're, they're making millions and and they're, you know, everything is fine. They're, they're rich and in need of nothing tonight. They know nothing of 
the travailing pain of the woman who's the, the lives of the anointed remnant, pictured as the woman in travail, they come forth out of Israel, they're, they're crying. They're in travail now. And, and the Laodicean church, the outer court church, knows nothing of this. They're, you know, they're still living the good life in Babylon. The mixture of the outer court has not yet cost them any sacrifice or any pain in the flesh. It's cost them almost bankruptcy in the spirit because the text tells us they're blind, naked, and, and, and in great poverty spiritually, but they're very wealthy, comfortable, and they're leading pleasant, peaceful lives in the flesh at the moment. That is all going to change when the man-child is born. But this picture of a travailing woman, I just want to share with you guys some scriptures to point out to you that this is a picture not only of the birth of the kingdom of God, but it's also a picture of the judgment of God that is going to come upon the world that is full of rebellion and wickedness today. Isaiah 42, verse 14 through 15. This is the Lord speaking. I have for a long time held my peace. I have been still. And I have refrained, I've restrained myself. That's true. The Lord has been silent. He's held his peace. He's watched this evil and this wickedness grow and grow. And in many ways, God has restrained himself. But he says, now will I cry like a travailing woman. Oh, isn't that interesting? The picture of Revelation 12 is also... God himself is experiencing the travail of his people as both the life of the kingdom is going to be born into the remnant and as the judgment of God is going to be born into the lives of the heathen. The world is about to give birth to the judgment of God. Now will I cry, says the Lord, like a travailing woman. I will destroy and devour at once. I will make mountains waste and hills. I will dry up all their herbs. I will make rivers, islands, and I will dry up all the water, all the pools of water. And that word where God says, I will cry, like a travailing woman, the word in Hebrew is pa'ah, literally it means to scream. The remnant is not just crying out to be delivered. Folks, they're screaming. The fire that they've endured, the pain and the sorrow that they've borne has been cumulatively, it's been building and building a load, a weight on them to the point that at the point of the birth of the child, they are literally screaming in pain to be delivered of the burden of the flesh. And the Lord as well begins to scream with his people as he is in pain to be delivered of the wickedness of this earth. And the Lord says, now I'm going to deliver myself by destroying the world and the nations of the earth at once. And God's going to move fast, people. God is going to move fast. Hallelujah. I think um, Paul wrote, but as for the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write you. You yourselves know that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night upon the world not upon the remnant that's going to be part of the day. 
but upon the world and upon the Laodicean church that is separated from the Lord, it's going to come as a thief. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail comes upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. We are the children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So the day will not come upon the anointed remnant as a thief. We're in the day. We see the light. We know it's coming. And so not only will it not overtake us as a thief, but the remnant will escape. And the anointed ones will be caught up to the throne of God. And then the Lord will cause the mighty warriors to come down. And well, that's going to be an awesome time. Jeremiah 30, ask me now, do you see a man in travail with a child? Jeremiah 30, verse 6. Why do I see every man with his hand on his loins as women in travail and all of their faces have turned into paleness? Jeremiah 6, 24. We've heard the fame thereof. Our hands are waxing feeble. Anguish and grief have taken hold of us us and pain as a woman in travail. And that word for pain is kila, and it means the throes of childbirth. It is, it is the same as just the, the word for um, sort of travailing prayer. There's a season of prayer that the Holy Spirit will bring upon the life of certain intercessors that is known as travailing prayer. And it is, the, it is a time of prayer where in your soul, as you're praying through issues which God has given you to accomplish in prayer, you literally enter into the travailing pain of a woman in childbirth. And this pain is coming upon the world. And it is the, the root of this pain, the, the word for the pain of travail, the word is kilah, and it, it means the pain of, or sorrow of childbirth. The root is keel, and it actually means to twist or writhe in pain, especially in fear, to fall grievously in pain, to be sorely afraid, in great travail, to be wounded and broken. This is not a lightweight burden. This is a heavy burden when it comes upon your life. And it's about to come upon the world. Jesus himself warned us in John 16, starting in verse 19. And, and Jesus said, Do you inquire among yourselves that I said, A little while you will not see me, then again in a little while and you will see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, You shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And you could put in parentheses, and the Laodicean church is going to party right on with them. You, the remnant, shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. For a woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she no longer remembers the anguish or the pain of the birth of the child. For the joy that a man has been born into the world. Now notice, this is a, a parable 
that is a take from he's the Lord has has taken this concept from the concept of travail being part of the coming of the kingdom. Revelation 12 is the same picture, the kingdom being born. And here the Lord is telling us, the true church will weep and lament while the world will rejoice. But in the sorrow of the remnant, their sorrow will be turned into joy, just as a woman in travail will have joy when a man is born into the world. But notice, it's not a rapture that's occurring. A man-child is being born into the world. Hallelujah. Micah chapter 5. Gather yourself together. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, and Ephratah is just another name for Bethlehem. So Bethlehem is being, the name of Bethlehem is being used twice here. I'll give you guys a little clue. This prophecy will therefore be fulfilled twice. I'll leave the study of that to you. But Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall come forth unto me the one that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been of old and from everlasting. Oh, two goings forth as well. Two mentions of Bethlehem two time periods for the going forth. Therefore, will he give them up, will the Lord give Israel up to the deception of the flesh, to their own way, to the diaspora among the goyim, until the time when she which travails is ready to bring forth her children. That's the picture in the stars, which the heavens are now prophesying is about to happen on the earth. And you guys understand that it's not necessarily going to happen on September 23rd. My view, my opinion, for whatever it's worth, is that it's likely to happen in the following 12 months. We shall see. In many ways, the anointing of the man-child is sort of like the consecration of the temple. Perhaps the season of Hanukkah is somewhat relevant. I am merely speculating with that comment. But the Lord will give up the woman Israel until the time when she who is travailing has given birth. And then the remnant of his brethren, the remnant of Jesus' brothers, the remnant of God's people shall return unto the children of Israel. And he, the Lord, shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they, hmm, now it's plural, they, the 144,000, shall abide. Nobody's moving them. They are not going to have a problem with the day of the Lord because in their lives is the life and the person of the Lord. They are the instruments of the second half of his seven-year ministry. What an awesome blessing to be one of the men chosen by the Lord to be part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that many men are called into, quote, the ministry. There are many pastors, teachers, evangelists, and, and many, and all of us in, in our own unique way, have been given a ministry by the Lord. 
this is a little bit different because in this case, the ministry given to the 144,000 is also the very ministry of Jesus. The second half of his ministry, when now he begins to minister as God, and he comes forth as the Lion of Judah to make war on his enemies and to deliver and save his remnant. He will give them up until the, tr- the birth of the man-child, and then the remnant will return. They're going to be led back to the children of Israel. We're actually going into the wilderness with the remnant of Israel to wait for the Lord. And he will stand and feed in the strength of the Lord. This is 144,000. This is the anointed mighty ones. They're going to stand. They're not going to be shaken. They're not going to, their knees are not going to be knocking. They're going to be standing in the majesty of the name of the Lord and in the power of the Lord. That's a good picture of the mighty ones, the Gabarim. They stand in the strength of the Lord. How strong is the Lord anyway? And they stand in the majesty of the name of the Lord. How great is the majesty of the name of our God? Do we even have any idea? And now they shall abide. For now shall he, the Lord Jesus, be great unto the ends of the earth. If you thought the ministry of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago when the Lord came as a man among us was great, and I, I would agree with you, it was awesome. But if you thought that was great, wait till you see the finale. If you love the first three-and-a-half-year ministry of Jesus Christ, you're really going to love the sequel. You know, most things that men do, you know, they come out with a great book or a great movie or they do some great work, and, and you know, it was so great that everybody says, we want to see the a sequel, and so they do, you know, version two, right? It's rarely as good as the first one. You know, they serve the best wine first, but not the Lord. No, no, no. He saves the best wine to the end. And he saved the better half of his ministry for the second half. So you guys that are all, you know, nervous about the tribulation and the nuclear war and, you know, these little tribulation events that are going to start happening. In the flesh, it's very troubling. I get that. But you've got to see this thing from the perspective of the true prophetic word. The Lord is about to be, reveal his greatness. The anointed ones, the Gabarim, are coming in the power and the strength of the Lord. That's how strong the Gabarim are. They are as strong as Jesus Christ. Plenty strong enough to handle what's coming. And the ministry that's being given unto them, what we're going to see displayed by the move of God in the final ministry of Jesus Christ through the 144,000 will be worthy of the majesty of the name of the Lord. And it will be Jesus who gets all the glory because it will be Jesus that actually did all the work. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So this concept of the birth of a child, the travailing birth, occurring both in the world in which destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman, at the same time in the kingdom of God, the travail of the saints gives birth to life, while the travail in the world gives birth to the wages of sin, which is death. Absolutely amazing. Jeremiah 4, I've heard a voice of a woman in travail, 
this, this theme is throughout Scripture. You guys might want to search this out for yourself. And the anguish of her that brings forth her first child. You know, in the lives of the anointed remnant, they've never had a child. Have you ever seen a man give birth to a child? Well, not, not in the flesh. We're not going to see it in the flesh, but it's, it's a metaphor. And, you know, the tribe of Benjamin is a picture of the birth of the man-child because Rachel died. Benjamin's mother died. And, and where was Benjamin born anyway? It turns out it was Bethlehem, Ephratah city of David, the place where David was born, the place where Jesus was born. Something powerful is coming forth in these spiritual metaphors that has not yet been fully revealed. A woman in travail, in anguish, bringing forth her first child, the voice of the daughter of Zion, bewailing herself, spreading forth her hands, saying, woe is me now. It'll be the darkest hour before the dawn of the birth of the man-child. And that word for travail is kala, and it means to be rubbed, to be weak, to be sick, to be afflicted, to be grieved, to be put to grief, to be grievously wounded, to be put to pain, to fall, to become weak and wounded, and to fall in travail. This is a pretty serious situation. This is Job wishing he'd never been born. Woe is me now. Time of woe comes in the time of travail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Isaiah twenty six seventeen, like a woman with child that draws near the time of her delivery is in pain, crying out in her pain. So we have been in thy sight, O Lord. The Lord is looking down. He sees the lives of his remnant crying out. And God has brought the trials and the afflictions and the suffering and all of the instruments, the work that he's done in your life. He's, bring, he's literally bringing it to a conclusion. He's bringing you to a tipping point in which the time will draw near and this work will do its perfect work. As we cry out in our final pains, so we are in thy sight, O Lord. Look at Isaiah 26, 18. We have been with child. We're in travail. We've been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth the wind. What? We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth. There are deliverance ministries, just so this is an FYI, part of the fulfillment of this verse, there are deliverance ministries that do not bring any deliverance. Okay, you probably shouldn't waste your time with them. There are Christians that have not brought forth any fruit by the Spirit of God. They have not brought forth any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen before us. We have not defeated the world, and we have not defeated the flesh, and we have not defeated the enemy. Rather, we have been defeated. And the Laodicean church has been defeated. 
and the church that is walking in compromise is defeated, and the church that's walking under false doctrine is defeated, and the church that's listening to lying spirits and false prophets is defeated. And the churches that filled with devils when the false worship came were defeated. And at the end of that process, we are completely poured out. Isaiah 26, 19, Thy dead men shall live. The dead shall live. Together with my dead body, we will both arise. Awake and sing, you that dwell in the dust. For the dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth will cast out its dead. At the end of this time of judgment, the dead are going to be literally cast out of the earth. In Isaiah 26, 20, Come, my people, and enter into your secret chambers. Shut the door about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a brief moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth shall disclose her blood and no more cover her slain. So, in the judgment that's coming, the dead are not going to be covered in the ground. They're going to be dead carcasses of the men that have been judged will be laying on the ground and they will not be covered with the earth Lord help us Jeremiah 30 verse 6 ask me now whether a man is in travail with a child you know you hear women all the time you have no idea what childbirth is like and we, really you might rethink that comment girls because there are some men among us that are in travail even now, and it is possible that the travail that they're undergoing in which their natural life, in which the life of the flesh, the mind of the flesh, is being crushed beyond grief. Their souls, their hearts, actually break and die because of the grief. And that is literally how they shed the mind of the flesh. It's literally killed in them. Why do I see every man with hands on his loins as women in travail? And then when this judgment comes, when the nuclear war comes, when the judgments begin to move through the earth, when the American people see nuclear weapons detonated on American cities, and the evening news is pictures of American civilians half burned. One half is just black, crusted, burnt flesh, and the other half of the person is very much alive, very much in pain, the American people will shudder in terror, and they too will suddenly be in travail as if with child, because the, the life, the future, everything they hope for, everything that they were trusting in, everything they built their lives in the flesh on is going to be blown away. Alas, Jeremiah 30, verse 7, Alas, for the day is great, and there is none like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be delivered out of it. I mean, this is the time of our trouble. You know, if you're, if you're part of Israel, if you're part of Jacob, we got trouble coming. It's the time of our trouble, but don't be too troubled, because we're going to be delivered out of it. Lord's going to save us. We're going home soon, you guys. Therefore, fear thou not. Jeremiah thirty ten. What? The Lord's ahead of me. In verse 10, he had Jeremiah prophesy, Do not be afraid then, O my servant Jacob, and neither be dismayed. You guys, don't be afraid. And don't be dismayed, O Israel. For look, 
I will save you from far, says the Lord, and I'll save your children from the place of their captivity, and you will return, and you shall be rest, you'll be in rest, and you'll be quiet, and none shall make you afraid. So the deliverance that's coming for the people of God, for the remnant of God, the Lord says, don't be afraid. You're not going to be destroyed in the tribulation. You're not being destroyed. You're being delivered. And therefore, be not dismayed. The Lord is coming. He's sending mighty ones down who come in the full power of God because they are part of the ministry of Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is coming in them with the fullness of his glory. And in the end, when we're all when we're all taken into the kingdom, we're all going to be like this. We're all going to be filled with the presence of God without limitation. God is an infinite God. If you have even a small fractional piece, a drop of an infinite amount of power, even a small percentage, an infinitesimally small percentage of an infinitely big number still is an infinite amount of power and, and peace and glory. Folks, where we're going is amazing. I am so excited. And the Lord is comforting us, telling us, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, don't let your hearts be troubled. Jeremiah 30, verse 11, I am with you, says the Lord, to save you. Jesus is coming to our houses, and the reason he's coming is he's coming to save us. Though I make a full end of the nations where I scattered you. Okay, the nations, they're in trouble. He's making a full end. Anybody who's trusting in the nation state for their deliverance, you know, you missed it. The nations are over. Yet will I not make a full end of you, but I will correct you in measure, and I will not leave you altogether unpunished. Okay, some of us are going to catch a little punishment. A small amount in measure. God's going to measure it out perfectly. The purpose of which is to bring you to that final place of repentance. Okay? To get you finally off that throne of pride. To get you finally to let go of that hardened heart. To break that hard heart. To set you free from those roots of bitterness. And to get that idol of pride right out of your life. The Lord's going to send correction and punishment in measure, and the measure is to turn you to righteousness. And if you have the wisdom of God, you will begin to fear the Lord, because he certainly will do this in you if you belong to him, unless you do this yourself. And the only way to accomplish that is by fasting and praying and denying the flesh. But if we don't do the work, the Lord will do it in us, but the purpose of which is to lead us to righteousness. Thus says the Lord, Jeremiah thirty twelve. Your wound is incurable. It's grievous. There is no one to plead your cause. You have no healing medicines. There's nothing that can save you from the day that has come. But look what God says. Jumping up to verse 17. I will restore health unto you. And I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called you an outcast. There's a little clue of who the remnant are. They're the people that were kicked out of the church. They're the black sheep. 
This is Zion, who no man seeks after. Have all your family and friends abandoned you and forsaken you? Have you been falsely accused? Have you been betrayed? Have you been persecuted without cause? Have you suffered the injustices at the hand of both the world and the church? And has this gone on for decades in your life? Oh, brother, if that's your testimony, I've got great news for you. That's remnant territory, <laughs> and your day is about to come. Amen. Now, if you're the kind of Christian who's been eating the whipped cream and the strawberries, you know, okay, well, look, then, you know, you need to figure that one out for yourself because I can't even relate to what that life must have been like. I, my life was more like the life of Joseph having been sold into slavery by my family and, and ended up in prison in Egypt for something I did or didn't do. And wondering, Lord, when will I ever get out of here? But praise God, the time of deliverance has come. Thus says the Lord, I will bring again, I will restore the captivity of Jacob, and I will have mercy on his dwelling places. And look at verse 19. And out from them shall proceed thanksgiving. We and the voice of those that make merry. Listen, during the great tribulation in the camp of the righteous, we will be thanking the Lord. We will be rejoicing in the Lord. The peace of God is coming on the camp of the righteous like an ocean. I can tell you because I was there at the end of the tribulation, the Lord literally gave me a vision. I don't know if I was translated or if it was a vision. It was, I mean, I was there. The sun was going down, and I was wondering, is this the last of the sun? Are the days of darkness about to begin? I couldn't count exactly how much time was left in the tribulation, but I remember thinking, I know we're very close to the days of darkness. I wonder if we don't see the sun again for five months. And the presence of the Holy Spirit was so profound. It was like being in an ocean of God's love. And there were a large number of believers, and we were all on the top of a mountain, and everyone was worshiping the Lord in silence, just in our hearts. And it was so awesome. And I shouted out, I love you, Lord. And the Lord answered and said, I love you too. And that's how God is going to treat every one of the remnant. We're going to be on the mountaintops in the presence of God, and we will be walking with a voice filled with thanksgiving and a voice of rejoicing. And look at this. I will multiply them, and they shall not be few. I will glorify them, and they shall not be small. Their children shall be as before. Their congregations will be established. And look at verse 21. And their nobles shall be of themselves. Okay, the elders of the remnant community are going to come forth out of the remnant community out of the redeemed of Israel, both Jew and Gentile, who've been grafted in to the true life of Yeshua, who is Jesus Christ. And out of the company of the remnant, there shall be elders who will come. And their governor shall proceed from the midst of them. Oh, we get a governor, you guys. Hey, that's going to be awesome, because the Lord will pick this governor. I'm sure he's the right person for the job. And I will cause him to draw near. Who? The governor. And he shall approach unto me. And who is this man that has engaged his heart to approach me, says the Lord? Interesting question. And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. For behold, Jeremiah thirty twenty three. behold, the whirlwind of the Lord is going forth with fury, 
a continuing whirlwind, and it will fall with pain on the head of the wicked. In the camp of the righteous, there's going to be the voice of thanksgiving and the voice of rejoicing. In the camp of the wicked, a continuing whirlwind that is going to fall with pain upon the heads of the wicked. So we really need to warn the people. Verse Jeremiah 30, verse 24. The fierce anger of the Lord will not return until he has done this and until he's performed the intention of his heart. And in the last days you will understand this. You're going to get to understand this because you're going to see this in the last days. Isaiah 13, 6. How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and it shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall every hand be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid, and pain and sorrow will take hold of them, and they shall be in pain as a woman that travails. And they will be amazed one at another, for their, fla- their faces shall appear as if on fire from the stress of the time that is coming. Hallelujah. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, shall be as when God overthrows Sodom and Gomorrah. So this time, the time of the world rejoicing and the saints of God weeping and lamenting is about to end. The birth of the man-child in the camp of the righteous will also occur simultaneously with the birth of the wages of sin and death in the camp of the wicked. The Lord's coming upon us for our salvation. He's coming upon them like a travailing woman to destroy and to devour at once. And an amazing thing is this concept of the, the simultaneous birth The the world of the flesh is ending. The world of spiritual destiny is beginning. The camp of the righteous, the destiny is the life and the the peace and the the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in in the camp of the wicked, the eternal destiny is the wages of the sin that they so loved. And and, uh, there was a sister, Chloe, who sent me an email regarding a dream that she had and was interested in my interpretation. And I want to share with you just briefly the dream. Um, Chloe was riding in a car with a childhood friend named Brianna who was driving and and another friend, Vanessa, who was a co-worker of hers that was together with her in the back seat. So a childhood friend driving, a co-worker with her in the back seat, and they were driving in what they thought was the downtown of Minneapolis. And as she looked out the left window, not the right, but the left, she saw the sun, but it was behaving strangely. It was a large sphere, but it was black as night. And it was bouncing around near the horizon. And, of course, the sun isn't normally black, although it'll be black in 11 days. And the sun doesn't bounce wildly around the horizon. But in this dream, the, the black sun was bouncing strangely near the horizon. And the day was still illuminated. 
the sky was clear. And then Chloe saw what she thought was black smoke rising from the ground, up from the ground. A very large and massive plume of black smoke billowing with things. Things were flying out of this black smoke. And she wasn't sure what they were, but they were flying out of the plume of large black smoke. The closest thing she thought they resembled was bats, but that was not it. And it was, they were actually the demons of the, the abyss that was opening at the advent of the, of the fourth horseman of the book of Revelation. The next thing that she saw, marching from the same direction as the plume of smoke, was a huge statue of a man riding a black horse, a literal statue. And it was huge. And she remembered the tail was flicking and swishing, aggressive and animated. And the statue and the horse were huge, larger than any horse or human she's ever seen in the world. And the man was carved in a style that can only be described as art deco, dictator, very stern, sharp angles, very broad shoulders. The horse and the statue were pitch black, devoid of any type of light. I've never seen anything like this kind of black before. As soon as she saw the horse and the rider, she put her hand on her friend's back, bowed her head, and began to pray. The horse and the rider marched from the direction they came and ended up behind the car. During the whole time, she felt they were waiting at an intersection. and In front of them were military men, and women, very young and ill-armed. They were all headed somewhere in front, off to the right, creating what she thought was a barrier so people couldn't leave. The car was downtown waiting at the intersection. The dream continued until the evening when eventually she met her husband and they began to discuss how the war had started and then she woke up. And that was Chloe's dream. And, of course, the black horse represents the, the aftermath after the war, after the red horse, World War III, destroys the global economy. The black horse will ride. And, as Paul said in Thessalonians, when they're still talking about peace and safety, sudden destruction is coming as the travail upon a woman. And that word for sudden in Greek means non-apparent, unexpected, suddenly and unaware. The, the destruction that's going to come, first the red horse of war, and then next the black horse of economic collapse, is going to be so sudden nobody's going to even believe it possible. And, of course, the picture of a woman in travail, as we've described in the prior show, is in the heavens even now. And isn't it interesting how in the dream... Chloe mentioned the intersection, the relevance of the word intersection as to the picture of a woman in travail, because the scripture gives us the metaphor of a woman in travail, both for the camp of the righteous, ready to bring forth the man-child, the birth of the kingdom of God, but also a metaphor for the sudden, unexpected pain that will come upon the wicked as they give birth to the fruit the wages, if you will, of sin and death. The travail which the world is in will give birth to the destruction of the earth. 
while the travail of the remnant of God will give birth to the kingdom of God. And it's interesting that the dream specifically contained the concept of an intersection, and it was at the time the sun was black and bouncing strangely on the horizon. An intersection is defined as a place where two things meet, two elements that are common, the points of two configurations, a point in time where the righteous and the wicked both begin to reap the rewards of their action. And it was interesting, I even had the discernment that that the meaning of Chloe's name was somehow relevant to the dream. And, and I looked, I went into a little research into the history of that name, and it is related to the harvesting of the earth and the earth giving birth to the fruit therein. And so the harvest is coming in the camp of the wicked. It's going to be the fruit and the wages of sin and death. And then the and camp Benjamin of the righteous. Element say one thing about that, just looking a little farther in the name of Chloe's two friends, um, Brianna, which uh, is basically the female name for Brian, and uh, which means high or noble. And then her other friend, which is uh, was, was Vanessa, right? And right. the name of that actually goes back to the uh, ancient Greek goddess, Phanes or Phanessa, uh, which is often equated with Mithras. So in the back seat we have high and noble and the goddess Mithras, the evil. I mean, you've got two distinct camps sitting in that vehicle of friends at that intersection. Well, and it's interesting that the the name that represented Mithra, which of course is a fake, you know, a, a fake deity, a, a satanic deity, um, this was a co-worker. So, you know, at the intersection were two points are going to meet and two destinies are going to be revealed, there are two works being accomplished. The work of righteousness and the work of the judgment of the dead. So, yeah, it's a fascinating dream. You know, certainly it points to the eclipse, which of course is a symbol of a coming judgment on America, and then the sign in the heavens. But, you know, even without the signs in the stars, Frank, in well, I, I don't know how you ignore the fact that they're now talking about a possible nuclear war on the news. I mean, well, that's sort of, you know, day of the Lordish, right? I mean, when we started warning people that judgment was coming 20 years ago, not very many people could comprehend that that's even possible. But today, we'll turn on the evening news. I mean, what happened today? I don't even know. I've been working all day, you know. Are we just one more day closer to the missiles flying? This is coming. This is real. We need to get ready. Those of you guys that are uh, part of the prayer ministry, the Remnant Prayer Army, uh, that's part of my Day of the Lord message, thank you guys. Don't lose heart. Continue steadfast in your prayer and your fasting because we are entering into the most critical part of the process, which is that final that final transition where uh, it's the most dangerous part in the time of travail. And, you know, I can just discern by the Spirit of God and just by what the Lord's doing in my life, this is coming. This is no longer something that's far off. 
This is nigh at hand. You know, the night is ending. The day is about to dawn. It's going to bring suffering and destruction of an, at an incomprehensible level upon an unbelieving and, and wicked world. And it's going to bring deliverance and salvation and healing to a faithful remnant. And that Laodicean church that's been partying right along with the world, they're going to begin to learn what it means to weep and mourn for the first time. So, mm. Maranatha, Amen. come Lord Jesus. Yeah, Folks, you you heard this. I mean, this is a time of war. Um, and Benjamin, you're right. Even Even if the signs weren't there, even if we weren't on the verge of nuclear war, the utter depravity of this country makes Sodom and Gomorrah look like they're got a, their act together. That's how filthy we've become as a nation. That alone, in and of itself, should make the people of God weep. Like in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 9, when they were weeping, weeping over the abominations that were committed in Jerusalem. And God says, to seal those, mark those ones down. He says, mark them, you know. But everyone else, destroy everything else. And, and folks, as Benjamin's talking about here in the book of Joel, um, you, you, can, you can choose either to cower in fear or to seek God with all your heart. Now, Benjamin, you've been through the ringer, so uh, following someone else besides God, you've learned is really not even an option anymore. That would be just silly. Um, yeah, and I mean you've 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 already tried it on your own before. <laughs> in your years, you decided to walk independent of God, and that didn't work out so well. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Lord calls those those years. Uh, he refers to them as our inventions. <laughs> when we come up with our great ideas on what we think we should do, and God brings those to ruin. You know, if we belong to the Lord and if the call of God's on our life, he's not going to let our inventions work. You know, the worst thing that could ever happen to you is God let your invention actually work out, because then you would end in hell, which is where the wicked find out that their inventions didn't really work out very well either. No, you're right, Frank. There's only one way that's going to work. Why it's so hard for us to figure that out is beyond me. Amen, I, I know. But you know what, Frank? You know what's worse than following your own way and, and reaping the, you know, having to reap the fruit of that foolish decision? You know what's actually worse than that? Following your own way and claiming that it's God's will for your life. Mm. And operating under the delusion that you're walking in the anointing when you're not. And operating yes. under the delusion that you're about to get raptured when you're not. You know, all of these deceptions where, you know, people just simply are walking in denial. You know, at least when you've chosen your own way and it blows up in your face, you can at least take some comfort in the fact that you know what happened. To repent of it and you know get past it yes but when you're sitting in the outer court when you're part of the Laodicean deception 
and you're rejoicing as the world, and you have no clue any of this is about to happen, it's hard to imagine what it's going to be like for these people. But, you know, I have some experience with this. I can tell you, quite a few of them are going to actually feel like they died and went to hell. Yeah. That's how severe this is going to be. The wake-up call for the Laodicean church. You don't even want to go there, people. And So anyway, I would just encourage everybody, you know, do, what, do what you can. Do what's right in your eyes. And get ready, because behold, the day is dawning. Amen. Benjamin, I'm going to ask here in just a second. I want to close with a verse out. If you could just pray um, over the people, because... Uh, you know as well as I do, um, struggle is the number one word in the body of the remnant right now. Um, the word struggle, uh, if the devil can try to distract, destroy, uh, he's doing everything right now he possibly can. And But there is a there's a spirit among the people, Benjamin, if they want deliverance, they want out, they want a way of freedom, and I believe God has that. You know, folks, in, in Psalm 37, you've heard this before, uh, verse 3 starting, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And that doesn't mean that, that God is going to give you what you want. What that means is that if you will delight yourself in God, I mean, you will take pleasure in seeking him and in being with him, he will put his desires in your heart. That's what it means. He shall give thee. He shall put the desires in your heart. And then it says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who pers who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in, all, in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Folks, God is calling us to peace in this time of tribulation. But the peace comes from being alone in, with him. You got to go into the room like the woman with the oil. She went in, she shut the door on her and her family, and when she did, she began to pour out, and the oil continued to flow until she stopped reaching for empty vessels. When the last empty vessel came, and there was no more. The oil stopped. Folks, when you get alone with God and you share like Benjamin has been sharing tonight and, and, and sharing that Jesus, this message that God can do what you cannot do and that he's coming sooner when you get ready. When you get alone with him and you share this good news, the oil will flow. But when you stop and you don't get alone with God and you wonder why you feel like you're walking in a desert, because God is calling you to get alone with him in this hour so that you can have peace in the midst of the storm. Sometimes we have to step out into the storm so that the Lord can say, peace, be still. And the best way to fight that storm is on the knees in our prayer closets. Benjamin, would you close us down with prayer? 
Amen. Father, we thank you that there is hope in Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would do a work in each one of us to make us ready, Lord. And Lord, help us to pray without ceasing. Help us to be the people that respond to the leading of your Holy Spirit to seek your face while you yet may be found and, and to enter into our, into our hiding place. We might be covered while the indignation is overpassed. Strengthen us also, Lord, in times of prayer and fasting, that our prayers would be more empowered and effective. And in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Folks, listen, Don't if you knew that all this was going down in a month, I bet you would live every day to the fullest and you would tell as many people as possible. Don't let that be the motivation to get you out and start telling people. Go out and tell them because Jesus laid his life down and he deserves nothing less than our total obedience Amen. and surrender unto him. Amen. Benjamin, thank you so much now, Frank, for being one quick here question. with us. What? Yes. Frank, what if it was going down in two months? Yes. Let's say October 11th. Mm-hmm. You know, just to pick a day. Would we live any different? Where would we blow off another month? <laughs> would we all wait for the final 30-day countdown, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, we're, pretty, we're close enough to the countdown. I think we ought to get serious now. God bless you, Frank. Thanks for the opportunity to share the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Benjamin. This is Brother Frank and Benjamin Baruch on the Remnant Call saying good night, everybody, and shalom.